What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the 10 After 7 podcast with your host, Michael Cody Stevenson. Let's start by shouting out number 50, the Dodgers superstar right fielder Mookie Betts, the only number 50 we give a damn about on this podcast. But what are we going to talk about today? A lot has gone down since the last time I talked on this podcast for good reason. I flat out just didn't want to tell you who I was rooting for in that Super Bowl. I had a hard time actually coming to grips with me rooting for Tom Brady for the first time in my life. But as I said on Instagram, I wanted to be on the right side of history. Yes, it took me seven Super Bowls to finally realize, holy shit, we are watching the Michael Jordan of our generation play out right in front of our faces. And I can no longer find a reason to hate Tom Brady. And then when he won the Super Bowl for the seventh time, he got shit-faced at the Super Bowl parade on a boat that cost $2 million, took the seventh Lombardi trophy that he won, tossed it across the river over to Rob Gronkowski, and shit-faced Tom Brady. I even liked him more. I don't know how in the span of 48 hours Tom Brady became the most likable athlete to me, but it happened, and I did not want to come to face that on this podcast. But here I am today shouting out Tom Brady. And if Tom Brady apologizes for throwing that Super Bowl trophy, I'm going to go back to not liking him. Some lady, the silversmiths, if you didn't know, now you know. The silversmiths were the first people to design the Lombardi trophy. And now we know that because the lady, the granddaughter, whoever it was, the granddaughter of the person who designed it, came out and said she was so disappointed, couldn't sleep for nights because Tom Brady didn't give a damn and threw the Lombardi trophy across one rope to the other to Rob Gronkowski, and she couldn't sleep because how could someone be so disrespectful? Here it is, lady. Someone could get so shit-faced because they won a seventh Super Bowl title, drink enough tequila to say, oh, here's a trophy. My boys are across on the other boat. They need to party it up. They need to have some time with Lombardi. So I'm going to toss it over to them. You should be happy you designed the damn trophy. Because you have absolute legends carrying that thing around. And Tom Brady treating that Lombardi trophy that way is the only way that thing should be treated. And whoever designed the Stanley Cup trophy, you think they're disappointed? That people are probably taking butt chugs off that thing? I don't even want to know the stories that go on with the Stanley Cup every single year. That thing's probably had more threesomes than Hugh Hefner, okay? That Stanley Cup has probably been with more chicks than Will Chamberlain in his prime. So the person that should be upset of anyone is the Stanley Cup designer, and he ain't upset because he's happy about it. Lord Stanley's getting all the action. So for once... The Lombardi Trophy gets a little action. We start to treat it with the respect it deserves. The athletes partying it up with Mr. Lombardi, the trophy you designed. Sorry about it, lady. And now we know your name. Good on you. But Tom Brady, don't apologize. Keep getting shit-faced. You're more likable that way. But of course, the news we're going to talk about today in the NFL, of course it comes from the NFL. It's a 12-month sport. We're going to talk about it day in and day out. That's just how the sport works. And we anticipate this offseason to be more electrifying than any offseason before because there's a lot of different quarterbacks that are either asking for trades, are going to get traded, or have been traded. We saw Matt Stafford finally rid himself of the Detroit Lions organization and get traded for a couple of first-round picks and Jared Goff to play for the Los Angeles Rams. I can't wait to see how that plays out. 
And then today on February 18th, the second domino falls. Carson Wentz, the one-time MVP candidate, the second overall pick of the Philadelphia Eagles, traded to the Indianapolis Colts for a second-round pick and a third-round pick. And like we like to do, of course, we play fantasy football so we can look at a trade on paper and tell you right off the bat who won. We don't need to see these guys play. That's not how it works. I can give one of these teams right now an A-plus or an F based off of the names I see on the paper and who they got and what they got in the trade. So here we go. I'm going to give kudos to the Indianapolis Colts for pulling the trigger and not having to give up a first-round pick. That's the key. Not having to give up a first-round pick for Carson Wentz, who over the last couple years hasn't played great football, hasn't been healthy, and just flat-out hasn't had a healthy team. The Eagles have been riddled with injuries more than any other team in football over the last couple years. I mean, they sent Greg Ward out to play receiver. All, all credit to him. He's a good receiver. But when I heard the name Greg Ward, I thought to myself, how do I know this guy's name? And then it came to my brain real quick that, yeah, this guy played quarterback just a couple of years ago for the Houston Cougars University, and now he somehow finds himself as the number one starting receiver in Philadelphia. They didn't have enough dudes to suit up at one point. Yes, Carson Wentz had his worst year last year. He got sacked 50 times, and he was tied for the lead with 15 interceptions. But when you're at the top of the list of sacked the most times, let's look at the offensive line, okay? Let's right now look at the offensive line. But the Colts are taking a fire on a 28-year-old guy who was actually an MVP candidate that year. He got hurt, and Nick Foles went on to win the Super Bowl. And if they could even get a glimpse of that Carson Wentz, the Colts have a chance. I don't know how far they'll go. But just looking at the Indianapolis Colts, they're a well-rounded football team. They have been for the last couple of years. They've hit on a lot of good draft picks. Michael Pittman, wide receiver last year. They still got T.Y. Hilton. They have a good running back. Marlon Mack, once he comes back from injury, is going to be good. Jonathan Taylor, of course, was up there for offensive rookie of the year. That's two backs who are phenomenal. They just needed that one quarterback and Carson Wentz being 28 years old and not having to give up a first-round pick for that guy who hasn't played good football over the last couple of years. You win that trade. And if you look around at the other teams in your division in the AFC South, one by one, you go, okay, the Tennessee Titans have been good. They've been pretty good the last couple of years. They've played in the AFC Championship. They have Derrick Henry, but are they really a threat with Ryan Tannehill and a not-so-good defense last year? Are they really that good? Is that the team we have to worry about? And it's not the team they have to worry about in the AFC. The only team you have to worry about in the AFC at this point is Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. The hell with your division. Let's, let's stay with the Colts' division. They've gone head-to-head with the Titans, and they've done well. They've won one, lost one last year. They were great games. I like the Colts. Because in the AFC South, you got to remember, you also have the Jacksonville Jaguars, who just hired Urban Meyer, and we don't know how he is as an NFL coach. Yes, they have the number one overall pick. They're going to get Trevor Lawrence, but that's going to take a couple of years to rebuild that entire franchise. And then the other team, the dumpster fire, the Houston Texans, have been since the day their season ended. Deshaun Watson, who started this whole movement of quarterbacks, is the one guy that's been asking out louder than everyone. Their star quarterback, my voice just cracked, or it's just gone. I don't know. But Deshaun Watson 
an MVP, an MVP caliber player in your division for the Houston Texans wants a trade and will probably get traded by next season. He's the guy that's going to go. So then the Houston Texans are going to be in full rebuild. And the only team you're looking at is the Tennessee Titans, and you've done a pretty damn good job to keep them at bay. You've been neck and neck with them for the last couple of years for the division, and I think a healthy Carson Wentz is just as good as Ryan Tannehill's been over the last couple of years. What the hell happened to my voice? I got too fired up on this podcast. That's what it comes down to. But back to what I was saying, let's give the Colts a B-plus on this trade. And of course, Carson Wentz reuniting with the Eagles offensive coordinator back when they won a Super Bowl, Frank Wright. He was playing at an MVP level under Frank Wright, who was the Indianapolis Colts head coach. So let's go. Not giving up a first round pick. Carson Wentz, 28, reuniting with his head coach back and offensive coordinator with Philly. It just all makes sense in the AFC South. So now we go, who's the next quarterback to be traded? Two dominoes have fallen. Is Russell Wilson going to be on the trade block? Will the Seattle Seahawks actually trade Russell Wilson? After last week on Dan Patrick's show, Dan Patrick pushed him a little bit. Dan Patrick's my guy, and he got Russell Wilson basically to say, you know what, I would like more control over the players we draft, over the free agents we get. I think I should be in that conversation when we're looking to get other guys because I'm the guy in the huddle and I want to be able to trust my guys in the huddle. And also, I've been one of the most sacked quarterbacks in football. Right now, I'm headed to be the most sacked quarterback in NFL history. So yes, please let me get a seat at the table when we're talking about adding pieces to our puzzle. Or will Deshaun Watson get traded? I think Deshaun Watson will definitely get traded. Where is the question? Lately, we've heard the Carolina Panthers... Matt Rule's running things down there now. He has a lot of control. And I heard there's a couple of first-round picks, including this year's eighth overall pick and Christian McCaffrey with a couple of more first-round picks. And Deshaun Watson. So Deshaun Watson might end up in Carolina, and I don't know if that's the place to be, but I would like to see him in Carolina with a plethora of football players, but I don't know if you're giving up too much for a guy or if Deshaun Watson cares how much a team's given up because when he gets there, the team's obviously going to be a little bit more depleted. So that's the that's what we need to keep our eye on in the NFL. The NFL is the clock that keeps on ticking. It's the only clock that keeps on ticking 24-7. A trade might be dropping right now as we speak. Is there any NBA news? Anthony Davis sidelined for the next couple of weeks for the Los Angeles Lakers. The Milwaukee Bucks haven't looked good. The Utah Jazz have the best record in the NBA. The NBA this year just doesn't have, I don't know. The regular season's not doing it for me, is what I'm trying to say. I don't know why. It might be the teams playing each other a little bit too often when they do that travel here, travel there. We're going to play this team twice this week. I don't know if it's that or there just hasn't been a lot of storylines. I think the best storyline is the return of Steph Curry. He's obviously an MVP candidate. The Golden State Warriors aren't the best team, obviously, without Klay Thompson. But Steph Curry is keeping that thing moving and he's doing it just like he was doing it back a couple of years ago. 
and he's one of the most exciting players to watch when he's playing at the top of his game. So the Warriors have been a great story. LaMelo Ball, front runner for Rookie of the Year. I've watched him play a few times. He's a nice highlight reel. They're actually first place in their division somehow, some way. Zion Williamson, I've watched him a couple of times. The New Orleans Pelicans aren't a good basketball team. Zion probably already wants out of that place. We're just a couple of years down the road when Zion does the same exact thing that Anthony Davis did to get his way out of New Orleans and with the Los Angeles Lakers. But what else are we looking at in the NBA? Of course, the Brooklyn Nets with Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant. But here's the thing, actually. Because I was excited to watch a game just a couple of nights ago between the Nets and I think it was, who was it? The Nets and Nets and Phoenix Suns. And I didn't really deep dive into who was playing that night. But when I turned it on later at night, I saw Kevin Durant on the bench and Kyrie Irving on the bench. And the only reason I tuned in is because I was like, hey, I haven't watched the Nets a lot. They have James Harden and these two other superstars. Let's see how they play together. And then Durant and Kyrie Irving are out. There's a lot of dudes sitting out. We've seen this over the last couple of years, whether or not it's for uh, injury reasons or just flat-out rest that players aren't playing. But that's the case. It's hard to watch NBA during the regular season when so many of the superstars are sitting out. Last night, I tried to watch the Utah Jazz because they've been the hottest team in the league. They have Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. They're fun to watch, 23-5 and record. They were playing the Clippers. I flip on that game, and it turns out the Clippers are playing a bunch of dudes I've never heard of. They had Terrence Mann out there. They had a guy named Amir Coffey. And I saw Paul George in street clothes and Kawhi Leonard in street clothes just straight up not playing. So it's hard to gauge these teams when you can't get a full look at these teams in full strength. So that's why I just haven't been into regular season NBA basketball. They're going to have an all-star game and a skills competition. I don't know if that's going to be great this year. I know the players weren't for it. But somehow you got to make money. So you got to play an all-star game in the middle of a pandemic. But that's what I have to say about the NBA. Of course, the NBA playoffs are going to be a sight to see. A lot of people think it's going to be a collision course between the Brooklyn Nets and Los Angeles Lakers. That'll be something. Philadelphia 76ers probably have something to say about that. Giannis hasn't been playing great, the back-to-back MVP winner for the Milwaukee Bucks. But I think down the road, that'll, that'll win. that's when the NBA will get more interesting. But right now, I don't give a damn. And right now, I don't even actually know who the number one team in the country is in college basketball. So college basketball has definitely lost this year. And that has to do with a lot of games getting postponed. But the University of Southern California is 18-3. and They got the projected number two overall pick in Evan Mobley. I watched them last night. They kicked the shit out of Arizona State. And SC somehow is ranked number 17 with an 18-3 and record. Yes, I know they're playing the Pac-12. But let's give the team some credit. And I know I'm not involved this year because Duke just isn't a good team. Jalen Johnson opted out of the last three weeks of the season, and people are deciding whether or not they want to call a college basketball player a quitter, or is he actually just looking after himself by sitting out the last three weeks of the season to get ready for the NBA draft because this college isn't paying him shit, and he has a million dollars looking at him straight in the face for the future. And no, I'm not one of the kids that's going to call him a quitter. His teammates probably don't care. Jalen Johnson can do whatever the hell he wants, and Duke's not a good basketball team this year. So why the hell play when you're not even going to be in the tournament? That's the only take two half. 
If they were good, he probably sticks around. They're not good. So why the hell is he going to compete on a team that's not good and not going to be competing for anything? But yeah, college basketball is tough. But you know, on that Thursday and Friday, the first two days of the tournament, I'm going to be sitting on my ass like I do every year with all kinds of junk food around me, Cheez-Its, Goldfish. Uh, I had these new things from Trader Joe's. They're like Takis, Hot Cheetos. Not a Hot Cheeto fan, but these things are fucking delicious. So that's going to be a part of it now, and I'm going to bet a lot of money on a lot of different games. That's when I'll start to care about basketball in college. But I want to talk about my favorite sport. My favorite holiday of the year. Pitchers and catchers report this last Wednesday in baseball, and I'm fired up about it. Because we're going to hear a lot of talk about the rivalry to be. The San Diego Padres chipping at the hills of the Los Angeles Dodgers, the reigning World Series champions, the winner of eight straight NLS titles, but the Padres are making noise because they traded for you, Darvish. They traded for Blake Snell. They just signed Fernando Tatis to a 12-year, $340 million contract. Their entire infield is worth $812 million. And kudos to the Padres. You got to spend to keep up with the big dogs. And that's what the Padres are doing. But the fact that people want to come out now, they want to come out now and say the Padres are good enough to knock off the top dog Dodgers. Listen, the answer is going to be no, they're not until they do. Until they knock off the Dodgers, they're just a threat. They're a threat. I will say they're a threat. They're a damn good team. But as the Padres added those guys and paid their dudes, the Dodgers went out and paid Trevor Bauer. They brought back Justin Turner. And I think people forget how damn good the Dodgers are. How many MVPs they're actually sending out on the baseball field. I think for the first time in MLB history, the Dodgers will be sending out three Cy Youngs and three MVPs this year. Kershaw won an MVP in Cy Young. Mookie Betts won an MVP. Cody Bellinger won an MVP. David Price won a Cy Young. Trevor Bauer won a Cy Young. Justin Turner owns every stat. He owns every single stat in the Dodgers postseason history. That's the Dodgers postseason history. You know how many times they've been in the postseason? A hell of a lot. Every single year, Turner's been there. He's delivered in the playoffs, and the Dodgers have been there, done that. Yes, the Padres had a chance last year to knock the Dodgers off in the divisional round, and I think they came damn close. I think if Cody Bellinger doesn't jump over the wall and rob Fernando Tatis Jr. of a home run, that's a completely different series. The Padres are on the heels of the Dodgers, but they are only just a threat until they actually fucking do it. Show me that you're better than the Dodgers. Beat them in the division. Win the National League West. And if you win the National League West, I'm sure you're going to have to face the Dodgers in the playoffs. But I don't even think you're going to win the National League West. This isn't a biased take. I really actually do think it's a rivalry. Every game last year was great. They're going to play seven times in the first month of the season this year. They're going to play 19 times overall, and I think it's can't miss baseball. The flair of these players out on the field The drama we had last year. Guys pimping home runs. Going too slow around the bases. 
Last year was incredible. And I'm fired up that the Padres actually are becoming a threat and making the moves to try to compete with the Dodgers. Because there's a lot of other fans of franchises that are bitching and moaning about the Dodgers have all this money. No, the Dodgers have actually developed a lot of their guys, have about 13 homegrown guys on the 25-man. So let's uh, talk about that another day. They keep their guys, they develop them, and then they pay them. That's how you should do it. Some teams just flat out don't pay players. Some teams flat out give the money to wrong dudes, which the Angels have done. They want a Trevor Bauer. Not going to happen. So kudos to the Padres for being a threat to the Dodgers. And I'm fired up for them to go head-to-head for the next decade plus. Because they did just lock up Fernando Tatis for, like I said, 12 years, $340 million. That's a hell of a lot of money. And you know the first guy anyone thought of, and this is funny because I talked about this with my brother just a couple of days before this trade, this deal went down. I said, damn, look at what the Braves did with Ronald Acuna Jr. He was just a young kid coming through the ranks. Broke into the big leagues, and then they offered him a hundred million straight up to his face. Said, "Hey, let's give you a hundred million, twelve million dollars per year." And Ronald Acuna was probably like, "Holy shit, a hundred million dollars, twelve million a year!" And the Braves had him sign that deal, life changing money. But boy, what a move by the Atlanta Braves! Smart move by the Atlanta Braves. They locked up Ronald Acuna Jr., who probably on the open market is worth just. As much as Fernando Tatis is, they just saved themselves $200 million by right out the gate offering Ronald Acuna Jr. that deal for over $100 million. But man, baseball money plays. If there's any young athletes out there, if you're trying to breed right now, you better breed your kid to play baseball. Seriously. I mean, I, I was looking up annual salaries a couple of nights ago, Trout's getting $35 million a year. Zach Granke's getting $34 million a year. Mookie Betts is getting thirty a year. Kershaw, $23 million a year. Dexter Fowler, or not, Jason Hayward, $22 million a year. Miggy Cabrera's still getting $23 million a year. I mean, it's bizarre. I would never sign dudes to that long of contracts, which is why I like the Trevor Bauer contract. Yeah, I give the guy $100 million three years if his arm falls off. Hey, you don't have to have him on your roster for 12 years with a broken arm. So, yeah, I don't know why these long-term deals are getting signed, but they still do. And, hey, all power to you. But that's all I have for you on this podcast. You probably won't even listen to it because my voice is gone. But that's how passionate I am about sports. And we got a lot to talk about every day when it comes to sports, and I'm just so excited that next Sunday we're going to actually have baseball, spring training games, Dodgers first athletics. The only question mark for the Dodgers, if you want me to say that right now, is who their closer is going to be. Can Kenley Jansen return to form? Will Joe Kelly take that job? Will Brewster Gratterall be groomed to be the future closer? Or will it not even matter until we get into the postseason and they mix and match and Julio Urias with no blood in his veins or ice in his veins. Take over that closing job when it matters and just sit him down just like he did last year in the playoffs. That's when it's going to matter most. We don't give a damn what the closer is from April to September. October is when that question is going to be answered, and I think they're going to have plenty of guys to choose from. Dustin May, Julio Urias. I mean, Dodgers are stacked. Keep talking about the Padres, but Dodgers are gross. Nasty. 
That's all I have for you. You can follow me on Twitter at 10 after 7 or on the Instagram at 10 underscore after underscore 7. I'm out. Woo! Go Dodgers. Thank you.